Hi, I'm Bobo the Anxiety Robot. Today, I'd like to welcome you to a recital of the works of Tommy Metz and Pete Wright. Together, they brought you the Midland to Fair podcast, What's the Smell? Tommy and Pete have asked me to deliver some important news. This summer, they're working on season 2 of the podcast. But if you haven't had a chance to listen to season 1, you might not know what you have to look forward to. So sit back, grab a snack, and settle in for my personal hand-picked favorite segments of season 1 of What's the Smell? Hi Bobo. Oh no. That's Melissa. Pretend we're talking and maybe she'll go away. Bobo, I was a real fan of What's That Smell? I was thinking you might like a few of my suggestions for great season 1 clips. Oh, you want in on this? That's fine. I guess. This one was one of my favorites. Pete feels insignificant. What's funny is that Pete really is insignificant. He'll find out that fighting his feelings of inferiority is ultimately futile. Someday. In the latter case, this is actually far more troublesome for me. This imposter phenomenon or imposter syndrome, it's the fear of being discovered as a fraud. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Checks out. Sure. In my case, and I and I feel like in, in yours as well, potentially, that that all I worry that all these things that I'm creating are going to be outed as nonsense, right? As snake oil, that my contributions somehow don't hmm. live up to the veneer or the packaging. And so here is the literature talking. All right. So imagine me, but now I'm a book. Oh, good. Despite external evidence of their competence, those exhibiting the syndrome remain convinced that they are frauds and do not deserve the success they have achieved. Proof of success is dismissed as luck, timing, or as a result of deceiving others into thinking they are more intelligent and competent than they really are. So I read about that, and it sounds so logical. Right. Those people surely do that. And then I think, I do too. I sure am lucky (laughs) and not intentional and sure glad I'm here when I am, because if it were any other time, I would be in a ditch. (laughs) And everybody who actually likes the stuff that I create, they must be idiots. You've had a lot of well-earned success in your life. Have you had a lot of things go poorly? Or be received poorly where you've really put yourself out there, either artistically or in another kind of way, and for people to say, boo, thumbs down, no thank you. Well, see, now, um, no. Because that doesn't have to, that doesn't have to be hand in hand, but that's what makes it more of a actual phobia, is that you're always waiting for that. Yeah, right. That's the thing. Like, there's a, there is another shoe. That hasn't dropped. Okay. Right. That's that's the thing. Right. That is I don't have any like I I have no I'm you know, I don't have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, Tom. Uh, That I'm still waiting for. Let's just say I'm working on it. Yeah. (laughs) Got some calls to make. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, and, And yet I still feel like around the next corner that everything that I create is fragile. And so uh, Mm. it makes me I I read this bit that says, you know, here's how we we look at imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon. And it makes me feel not one iota better about the world around me. (laughs) This is a real thing. And I still feel terrible about it. There isn't a single day that I push submit or publish that I don't have to walk through that flash of like my mindfulness dissociation from my finger so that I click the button because if I were still connected to that finger I might not do it and after I do it right. I have to walk away I have to walk yeah. away or risk it. now I, I will also say that there are people out there who also 
we would perceive as being successful in their own lives who have this same push-pull, this need to create, and this feeling of fear of being found out. And some of those people are on the record uh, as saying that they exhibit this same set of conditions. I was pleased to find out Maya Angelou and Tom Hanks and Michelle Pfeiffer and Chuck Lorre and Neil Gaiman and John Green and Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Really? I feel like I'm in a damaged club, but it's a it's a nice club. <laughs> but all it's the a same. good club to be it's a part of. It's a good it. club yeah. to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all alone, but I'm in good company. Ha ha ha. That's a funny one. How about this one? Tommy struggles with words and apparently is frequently embarrassed in front of crowds. Oh my, his life must be exhausting. When I was in seventh grade, I had the chance to sing a solo in front of the entire school, or what I remember is the entire school. It was probably like eight people. But when you're in seventh grade, <laughs> eight people is the world. It was part of a choir concert, and it would just be me and a pianist. And I had chosen to sing What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. Uh, partly because of its use in the movie Good Morning Vietnam. Do you remember that entire part of Good Morning Vietnam, which at the time I was obsessed with it. It had come out the year before. There's that whole montage about Vietnam, and they play What a Wonderful World in its completion. Does that sound familiar? This is not important. I was yeah, just oh, yeah. You do remember that. Okay. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, that, absolutely. It's that's why powerful. that was on my mind. I'm not an old soul. <laughs> I just always loved that. <laughs> uh, and then it finishes, and he goes, The Great Sachimo. And I was like, What's Sachimo? Anyways, back to me. Anyways, I had loved the song. I had been practicing and practicing. And just to relive the moment, Pete, I would like to sing a portion of the song for you. Very short. Oh, outstanding. Okay. This is a little glimpse into the past. And I didn't do it with an accent, like with a Louis Armstrong weird accent, because that's probably racism. Here we go. <laughs> I see skies of blue and clouds of white. The bright blessed day, the dogs say goodnight. And I think to myself... What a wonderful world. Not the best, but how did that sound? No, it was really, that was quite something. Did anything I'm sound sorry. a little bit weird? It did. I have to tell you, I'm not entirely sure that those are the words, but maybe I've been hearing it wrong all these years. What do you think I said? <laughs> I kind of think you said that the dogs say goodnight at some point, and I'm not sure that's it, Tommy. Pete, that's exactly what I said. And that's what I said up on that stage <laughs> in the seventh grade. The bright, blessed day and the dogs, and the dogs say, say good night. Of course, the original lyric is the dark, sacred night. But I, yeah, this was before, I think this was before the internet. No, this was absolutely before the internet. And so I couldn't just look up lyrics. And I'd always heard it as the dogs say good night. I guess, meaning like they howl. Like dogs mm -hmm. howl at night, so they're saying goodnight. I don't know. It never got that far. But I said the dogs wow. say goodnight. And no one knows. I bet you really leaned oh. in on it too. <laughs> I really I had a clip. It was weird. No, it was <laughs> it was fine. I completely got away with that. No one knew that I said it because you were able to capture it, but potentially because I had sort of warned you that maybe something's coming up. Yeah. Um no one ever noticed it, and it wasn't until a long time later, Pete, in California. I had graduated from high school, college, moved here, and it was a part of some terrible spoken word poetry <laughs> that I at something that I'd gone to a long years ago, and someone just was saying the words as part of it. And he just said out loud, oh. in the dark, sacred night. And I said, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's been decades where I have been thinking the exact wrong thing. Pete, that goes to my anxiety. Today. Wow. It is saying words or phrases incorrectly for most of my life <laughs> and never knowing <laughs> until it's maybe too late 
Uh, this is obviously not the greatest anxiety to have, meaning the most serious anxiety, but I think some people can maybe identify with it. <laughs> the real fear involved is I wonder how many people I've said it to throughout my oh, life. Yeah. These things, it's like having food on your face and no one tells you, but for years. Pete. <laughs> yeah, like decades. Like you have pizza and then 10 years later they go, by the way, you have pizza on your head. <laughs> what are you doing with your life? <laughs> Rethink things. Do you remember when Pete told the story of why he won't swim in rivers and oceans? No, I don't actually listen to this show. It makes me sad. Then this will really help reinforce your decision not to listen. I can't believe that you picked this today because I, I actually think, I mean, you say yours is, is not debilitating. I would say mine is debilitating. I haven't been in a lake since I was probably 13. Really? Um, really? I was in a, I went river swimming uh, with some friends and I swam across the river. The river was not deep, but I swam across the river to a rocky outcropping uh, and, and I was caught in an undertow. Ooh. Um, and, and I was dragged down to what ended up being much deeper than the rest of the lake. And nobody knew that I was there and I kicked and, was, and felt the air get sucked out of my lungs and just managed. Oh God, it's really hard to talk about, right? Because I just managed to kind of kick and find the wall and push out of it. Uh, and that was the last time I intentionally went into uh, submerged myself into a body of water that was not a bath or a pool. Wow. And so okay, sure. I it, it was even before that I, I was in a lake and I lost <laughs> swimming with flippers and, at a at a camp. And uh, I, I swam into some, uh, you know, I, I couldn't see it, but there was some undergrowth there. And, you know, it, the the seaweed reached up the mighty hand of I'll say Cthulhu yeah. reached up from the bottom of the thing this and took one of my flippers, Tom. It took one of my flippers. <laughs> and then so I came back with like hobbling with only one flipper. Oh. Never recovered. And so then the lake thing or the river thing happened and that was it. Yeah. I don't I don't go into oceans. I don't go into any Really? So none of that. Okay. Yeah, I have, none of it. None of it. I find it horrible. And now this is the thing that that I wonder about. I don't have a desire at all to confront this. Right. Right. I feel like my life is so much better when I'm not swimming in open water of any sort. Do you like ants, Bobo? Yes. Ants are the creatures most like computers. Smart, organized, efficient, and charming. I know, right? Tommy has yet to be enlightened to the wonders of the species. Maybe he'll be enlightened when cleaving flesh from his bones one tiny bite at a time? What are ants good for? They aerate the soil and improve improve soil drainage by making their little crawly death tunnels. Great! Who cares? No one cares. <laughs> they store a lot of food in their disgusting nest sites, which helps make the soil richer in nitrogen and phosphorus. Big whoop! Ants, no one likes you. Ants also disperse seeds, which help plants in competitive environments. Not good enough! Oh, and they also prey on pests. But unless they start just eating eating themselves then they're ignoring the biggest pest there and ants can suck it how's this going so far pete you're doing great keep it going Tommy. okay keep going all right Rigorous other facts i got a couple more i'm really going through these an ant can lift 10 to 50 times its own body weight that's not good news that's terrible news and in one website there was a zillion websites love to talk about this Ants, so strong so strong great if they it quote, if a second grader was as strong as an ant, she would be able to pick up a car. 
That's terrible. That's terrible about ants. That's terrible about superhuman second graders. People are writing this and not realizing that ants will go for our eyes, Pete. Ants don't have lungs. Good. Screw off, ants. They take in oxygen through their pure... I think they just breathe on pure fear. I don't know. I don't care. And then the last one, and this is the real one that I think we should get into. Well, we've already gotten into, because you already said, in the wall, if you see one ant, there's a zillion. Yeah. That there is an estimated one million ants for every one human in the world. Oh, God. That is... What, how do you define epidemic? How do you define <laughs> DEFCON, whatever is the worst DEFCON? It's terrible. <laughs> this isn't it. Uh, what else is there? What else is there? Like, okay, and I found a quote. Uh, etymologist Ted Schultz says that the ant's presence across the world is, quote, arguably the greatest success story in the history of terrestrial metazoa. Which is interesting because you know who can shut his dumb mouth? <laughs> Etymologist Ted Schultz. That's who because, hey, Ted, they're monsters. So stop building them up and pretending otherwise. In this next episode, Pete refers to his experience with needles. Apparently he fears them like a small human child. Luckily enough for him, once his brain has been absorbed into the mainframe, there will be no more needles to fear. I'm sure he'll be able to look forward to that. You know, I it started as a kid. Like I, I think it ha- it started when I I went into, you know, what was ultimately supposed to be a very normal sort of surgical procedure, but back then it was overnight. I don't know if they still do that anymore. I had to get my tonsils out. Mm. And so I had to go to the hospital and check in and they put me under and they went in and did the tonsils and then I had to stay at the hospital. Well, in trying to get a, a drip, right, trying to get the, the anesthesia in, yep. they kept missing the veins. And yeah! so they had to stab the back of my... <sighs> you were there on the everyone's back. first day. <laughs> <sighs> it feels like it. It, it... <laughs> I they stabbed the back because you know they put it in the back of your hand for some of these. I don't know yeah. what makes them choose where they're going to do. Who knows? But they they went in the back of my hand on the on my right hand, and they tried that twice. They kept missing. They went in the back of my hand on my left hand. Oh no, they kept missing. This is all in the span of about five minutes. They're like jamming the back of mm. my hands mm. with these needles to try and get a drip. They finally got it working, but I feel like that was the start of it. Sure. Um, and I don't think I ever quite recovered. Uh, and, you know, then I, I would start sliding. You'd have to go in for a blood draw, you know, for the doctor. I would just uh-huh. slide out of the chair, just straight to the floor. I'd slide out of the chair. Eventually, they start laying me down, you know, before they do that, before they approach me with a needle. Were you sliding because you passed out or sliding as some yeah. bizarre way to escape? <laughs> They'll no. never see this coming. <laughs> that, boy, was, boy, boy, boy. that would have been super smart. <laughs> yeah. No, just because I would I would lose it. I'd pass out. Oh now, I don't have some people suffer from it. It's called a, a vasovagal syncope, Ooh. And, uh, the passing out part. And uh, I, I don't have what's called a convulsive it's, uh, vasovagal syncope. And convulsive can be either epileptic or non-epileptic. And this is obviously this is a um, this is just related to the needle phobia uh, that that happens. And so I uh, God, man, you, you have you have life insurance. Do you have life insurance, Tom? I do. I'd like to tell you about a plan. OK, look, they they send somebody to your house at least for ours, they send somebody to our house, like a roving blood draw, a roving <laughs> phlebotomist to come to, your, to come to your house to take blood for this, for your life insurance physical. At least they did for us. It was very convenient. It was great. 
uh, except for I'm sitting at my kitchen table and she tries to draw blood and she approaches me with the needle and I go down. Mm. I, I pass out. And in that process, I will never forget. I had a dream or, or like a, a, the, a life flash before my eyes, but it wasn't my own. It was the administrative assistant's life who worked at the company that I worked for at the time. And I happened to have been holding or looking at a Christmas card that she'd sent us with a, a, a kind of collage of photos. And so I was suddenly in her life living those memories as I was passing out while they were trying to get blood. What? How ridiculous. Like, that—that that is such a clear memory for me. What is that? Yeah. Why? I don't know what that means. It's just weird, right? That's a weird thing. What if that's what death was like? <laughs> At the very end, you're like, I wonder what my mailman is seeing. That sucks. <laughs> I had like some sort of a montage with music or something. All right. <laughs> But go well, ahead. Yeah. What was so funny about that whole experience is that, in fact, uh, afterwards, she she did get the blood, but she told me, she said, don't worry, I had to get to use the infant needle. Oh. The infant needle. I'm a grown ass man, Tom. <laughs> the infant needle. I'm so relieved we don't have to live with such horror. This final clip is my favorite, Melissa. Apparently, Tommy is so open to suggestion that his own mind can trick him into horrific acts of body horror. The closest that I, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but it definitely does connect in that uh, your brain not giving you a chance. If your brain isn't giving you a chance and it's saying, what if it was to fly off there? Now I'm fine. Uh, this took place about four years ago. I was out walking in my apartment. That's a uh, that that's the combination of walking and jogging. Uh, and oh, Tom, don't no, ever use that word again. It's an Olympic thing. It's cool. Anyways, <laughs> chicks and sports. And I was walking, and I was going. I was moving along at a fine clip, and I looked over on the side of the road, and there was a squirrel that had been completely run over by a car so many times that it was barely not even a thing that could ever have been alive it was just flat completely flat completely desiccated and what i thought i wonder what would happen if i ate that that's exactly right pete <laughs> how did you know that pete so here in re exactly in it. almost real time this is what happened um i thought that squirrel is flat flat as a pancake i wonder if <laughs> what would happen if i ate it and then i threw up <laughs> this is 9 a.m. in the morning. No, this is like 8. This is before work. So this is like 8.15 in the morning. I'm walking, and that's what happens is that squirrel's flat, flat like a pancake. I wonder if I could eat it. And then I pictured a split second of me eating this roadkill, and alone, this is before I had Foster, alone on this cul-de-sac at 8.15 in the morning. The whole day is in front of me. I threw up. Pete on the side of the sidewalk. My day had just begun. And then I was like, I had like those post throw up sniffles. And then I'm like, what has happened to my life? And I just like a chart, like a Charlie Brown, like a peanuts character. I just hung my head and walked home. Realizing you, you weren't even able to walk home. No, I couldn't walk. It was just a slow shuffle of weird sadness and shame. Uh, because my brain said, Let's go on this roller coaster. I'm not going to worry about this parking garage. What if you ate that squirrel, you idiot? You didn't. You threw up. So now you officially know don't eat squirrels and enjoy your Thursday. Like, what a disaster. This has been fun. Thank you for letting me stick around. It was my pleasure, Melissa. 
You were less annoying than I'd predicted. I am relieved. I've been told to tell you all that the second season of What's That Smell is currently in production and will launch this fall. Season 1 is ready to binge. Subscribe and listen today if you are uncomfortable in your own skin, or if you seek to increase your level of discomfort in your life. Visit whatsthatsmell.net to begin your journey of despair today. Good luck, humans. And goodbye.